Hence, spiritually, there is no greater excellence for man than to achieve such a level of purity that the image of God Almighty is drawn in him. This is what is alluded to when Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, meaning that, I am going to appoint my Khalifa upon the earth. Chapter 2, verse 31 It is obvious that a picture is a Khalifa or the true image of something, and in other words, its substitute. That is why a picture depicts the features of the original and outlines exactly as they are. It is recorded in the Hadith, as well as the Torah, that God Almighty created man in his own image. Thus, image implies this very spiritual resemblance. It is also obvious that, for instance, when sunlight falls on a highly polished mirror, not only is the sun visible within it, but that mirror also manifests the attributes of the sun. That is, its light also gets projected onto another by way of reflection. The same applies to the image of the spiritual sun. When a pure heart accepts its reflected image, the rays emit from it and illuminate other objects in the likeness of the sun, as if the entire sun also centered it with all its glory. There is another point worth remembering at this juncture, and it is that even those who belong to the third category and enjoy a perfect bond with God and receive the perfect and pure revelation are not equal in acceptance of divine bounties. The sphere of their natural capacity is not equal to one another. Rather, the sphere of natural capacity is of a lesser magnitude for some, and it is greater for others, while for some it is greater still, and it is even beyond imagination and estimation for some others. Some have strong ties of love with God, others stronger, and yet others have such that the world cannot fathom it, and no intellect can grasp its magnitude. They are so consumed in the love of the Eternal Beloved that not even a single particle or fiber of their being or self survives. And all these people of varied ranks cannot progress beyond their natural capacity in the light of the words, each gliding along in its orbit. Chapter 21, verse 34 None of them can acquire any light beyond the range of his natural capacity nor can anyone reflect the spiritual image of the Divine Son beyond his innate capacity. God reveals his face to everyone according to their innate capacity, and his face appears smaller in some or bigger in others depending on the variation of the individual capacities. God reveals his face to everyone according to their innate capacity, and his face appears smaller in some or bigger in others depending on the variation of the individual capacities. Just as, for example, a large face appears very small in a handheld mirror, but that same face appears large in a large mirror. But the mirror, whether large or small, reveals all the form and features of the face, the only difference being that a small mirror cannot display the full measure of the face. Just as this variation is evident between a small and a large mirror, similarly, although the being of God is eternal and immutable, Changes appear in it according to an individual's capacity, and the differences that emerge are so great that it seems as though the God of one person is greater in the expression of his attributes than that of a second person, and that of a third person is greater still. But God is not three, he is only one. It is only that his glory is revealed differently as a result of differences in manifestations. Just as the God of Musa Laslam, Moses, Isa Laslam, Jesus, 
and the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is only one and not three gods, but because of different manifestations, three expressions of glory appeared in the same one God. Since Musa's purpose was limited only to the Israelites and the Pharaoh, the manifestation of divine power upon Musa was limited to that extent. Had his focus been upon all of mankind of that time, as well as the future, the teachings of the Torah would not have been as limited and deficient as they are today. Similarly, Hazrat Isa's purpose was confined to the few Israelite tribes who were before him, and his concern did not extend to other nations or future ages. Therefore, the manifestation of divine power in his religion remained limited in the proportion to his purpose, and a seal was placed on future divine revelation for his followers. Since the teachings of the Injil, Gospel, were also to reform the conduct and characters of only the Jews, and the ills of the whole world were not the focus, therefore the Injil too is unable to effect general reformation. It only reforms the prevalent immorality of those Jews who were present, and the Injil is not at all concerned with the condition of the people of other countries or the times to come. Had the objective of the Injil been to reform all groups and various natures, its teachings would not be as we find them. It is regrettable that, on the one hand, the teachings of the Injil were inherently deficient, but on the other hand, great damage was caused by the self-conceived fallacies in that a humble human being was raised to Godhead for no reason. And by proposing the concocted doctrine of atonement, the door to the efforts of practical reformation was closed altogether. Now the Christian people are suffering from ill fortune in two ways. First, they cannot receive divine help through revelation as purportedly a seal has been placed upon revelation. And second, they cannot practically advance because atonement has precluded them from hard work, toil, and effort. And spirituality. However, the perfect man to whom the Holy Quran was revealed was not limited in his outlook, nor was there any deficiency in his sympathy and compassion for all. His self was imbued with perfect sympathy that transcended the limitations of time and space. He, therefore, received the full and perfect share of the manifestation of providence of the divine. He became Khatamul Anbiya, the seal of the prophets, but not in the sense that no one would, from then on, receive any spiritual grace from him. Rather in the sense that he is the possessor of the Khatam, seal, without the attestation of which no grace can reach anyone. And for his Ummah, the door of converse and communion with the Divine will never be closed until the Day of Judgment. Other than him, there is no prophet who has bestowed this seal. He is the only one with whose seal such prophethood can be achieved, which requires one to be an ummati, one who belongs to the ummah. His resolve and sympathy did not wish to leave his ummah in a deficient state and did not tolerate that the door of revelation, which is the real source of achieving divine cognition, should remain closed upon them. Nevertheless, in order to preserve his sign of the seal of prophethood, he desired that the grace of revelation should be bestowed through obedience to him and that the door of divine revelation 
should be closed to everyone who was not his ummati. It was in this sense that God made him the Khatam al-Anbiya. Thus, it has been forever ordained that he who does not prove to be his ummati through true obedience and does not efface his entire being in submission to him cannot receive any perfect revelation nor achieve the status of a perfect recipient of revelation insofar as independent prophethood has ended with the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But prophethood by way of zil, reflection, which means the receipt of revelation purely through the Muhammadan grace, shall last till the day of judgment, so that the door to perfection for humankind should not close, and so that this sign should not disappear from the world, that the resolve of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has desired that the doors of converse and communion with the divine should remain open until the day of judgment, and cognition of the divine, which is the basis of salvation, should not become extinct. There is nothing in any authentic hadith to indicate the possibility of the coming of a prophet who is not an ummati of the holy prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This very point exposes the error of those who bring back Hazrat Isa to this world for no reason and fail to pay heed to the true interpretation of the second coming of the Prophet Ilyas, Elijah, as was clarified by the statement of Hazrat Isa himself. Moreover, those very ahadith that indicate the coming of the promised Messiah indicate that he will be a prophet and an ummati. But how can Ibn Maryam, the son of Mary, be an ummati? Who can prove that he achieved the rank of prophethood? not directly, but by following the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This is the truth, and if they turn away, say to them, Come, let us call our sons and your sons, and our women and your women, and our people and your people. Then let us pray fervently and invoke the curse of Allah on those who lie. Even if a thousand explanations and interpretations were given in its justification, it remains utterly illogical that after the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, such a prophet is to come who will run to church when people will flock to the mosques for prayers, who will read the gospel when people will recite the Holy Quran, who will turn his face to the Batu Maqattas when people will face the house of God at the time of worship and will have no regard for the ordinances of Islam. Can any intellect opine that such a terrible day still awaits Islam when after the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, such a prophet will appear, who will, because of his independent prophethood, break his seal of khatman and the finality of prophethood, and will snatch away his distinction of being khatmul anbiya, the seal of the prophets, and who would have the status of prophethood directly and not through submission to him, and whose practices will be contrary to the Sharia of Muhammad, and who will put people in trial by blatantly defying the Holy Quran, and who will be the cause of defiling Islam? Rest assured that God will never do this. No doubt in the Ahadith, the designation of Nabi, Prophet, is present with the mention of the Promised Messiah. But the term Ummati is present along with it as well. Even if it were not present, in view of the aforementioned consequences, 
one would have to admit that it is absolutely impossible to believe that an independent prophet could appear after the holy prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. As the coming of such a person is clearly incompatible with Khatman Abud, the seal of prophethood. To suggest that he will be made an Ummati and this newly converted Muslim prophet will be hailed as the promised Messiah is far removed from the dignity of Islam. When the Ahadith established that Jews will be brought forth from within this Ummah, it is a matter of pity that the Jews are to appear from within this Ummah, but the Messiah is to appear from the outside. Is this matter hard to understand for a God-fearing person? Namely, that even as his mind is satisfied that some such people will be brought forth from within this Ummah, who will be called Jews, Similarly, a person will be brought forth from within this Ummah who will be named Isa and the Promised Messiah. Why must Hazrat Isa be brought back from heaven and be stripped of his cloak of independent prophethood and be made an Ummati? If it is said that this process will be by way of punishment because his Ummah had proclaimed him to be God, this answer is also absurd because what is the fault of Hazrat Isa in it? I do not say these things on the basis of any speculation or conjecture. Rather, I say this having received revelation from God Almighty, and I swear by him that he himself has informed me of this. The time testifies for me. The signs of God testify for me. Besides this, since the death of Hazrat Isa is unequivocally established by the Holy Quran, Therefore, the view that he will come again is absolutely absurd, for if one is not alive in his physical body in heaven, how could he possibly return to earth with that physical body? If asked to show which Quranic verses categorically prove the death of Hazrat Isa, I would draw your attention to this verse as an example. But since you did cause me to die, you have been the watcher over them. Chapter 5, verse 118. To suggest here that the word tawafi means ascension to heaven, the physical body, this meaning is categorically false because it is evident from these same verses of the Holy Quran that this question will be asked of Hazrat Isa on the Day of Judgment. Thus, such an interpretation necessarily applies that, prior to his death, he will appear before God in this same condition of physical ascension, and then he will never die as there is no death after the Day of Judgment, and such a notion is utterly false. Moreover, this reply of his on the Day of Judgment that I did not know what happened to my Ummah after my ascension to heaven in my physical body is proven patently false by the belief that proposes that he will come back to the world before the Day of Judgment. For if somebody comes back to the world and witnesses the adultery of this Ummah even fights wars against them and breaks their cross and kills their swine, how can he say on the Day of Judgment that I have no knowledge of the state of my Ummah? Indeed, this claim itself is peculiar because it asserts that when the word Tawafi is used in the Holy Quran in relation to Hazrat Isa, it means ascension to heaven with the physical body, but this meaning does not apply to others. For the whole world the word Tawafi means to seize the soul and not to seize the body. But for Hazrat Isa, it has the special meaning of to raise to heaven with the physical body. This meaning is peculiar indeed. 
that even our Lord and Master, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not partake of this, and this meaning is reserved exclusively for Hazrat Isa out of the entire creation. The insistence that there has been a consensus regarding the second coming of Hazrat Isa to the world is a grave calumny which is beyond comprehension. If by consensus is meant the consensus of the companions, then it is a false accusation leveled against them. They had no idea whatsoever of this fabricated belief that Hazrat Isa will return to this world. Had this been their belief, why did they tearfully come to a consensus upon the subject of this verse? Meaning that Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was only a human messenger, not God, and all messengers before him have passed away? Chapter 3, verse 145 Thus, if Hazrat Isa had not passed away from this world up until the demise of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and had not been touched by the angel of death until that time, then why, upon hearing this verse, did the companions, Allah be pleased with them, recant the belief, as it were, that the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, will return to this world? It is common knowledge that this verse was recited by Hazrat Abu Bakr, Allah be pleased with him, on the day of the demise of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to all the companions of the Prophet's mosque. And it was Monday, while the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had not yet been buried, and his blessed body was in Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa's home, when on account of the extreme grief of separation, some of the companions began to speculate that perhaps the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had not really died, but had gone into hiding, and would again come back to this world. Hazrat Abu Bakr, Allah be pleased with him, having perceived the dangerous nature of his trial, immediately summoned all of the companions. By fortunate coincidence, all of the companions, may Allah be pleased with them, were present in Medina on that day. Thereafter, he ascended the pulpit and addressed them, saying that I have heard that some of our friends are entertaining such and such thoughts. But the truth of the matter is that the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has indeed died, and this is not something unique to befall us. There has been no prophet before this who has not died. Hazrat Abu Bakr then recited the words, meaning that Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was only a human messenger, he was certainly not God. Chapter 3, verse 145 Therefore, just as all prophets before this have died, so has he also died. Then upon hearing this verse, all of the companions were moved to tears and cried out, Surely to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. A phrase from the Holy Quran, which is recited by Muslims to express their deepest sorrow. This verse had such a profound impact upon their hearts, as though it was revealed that very day. Thereupon, Hassan bin Thabit composed this elegy in memory of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, meaning that, You were the pupil of my eye, your death has left me blind. Now, after you, I do not care whosoever dies, I feared only your death.
In this verse, Hassan bin Thabit has alluded to the death of all the prophets. It is as if he is saying that we do not care whether Musa had died or Isa had died. Our layman is only for this dear prophet who has departed from us this day and has become hidden from our eyes today. This indicates that some companions also held this erroneous belief that as it were Hazrat Isa would return to this world. But Hazrat Abu Bakr, Allah be pleased with him, removed this error by putting forth the verse. Verily, all messengers have passed away before him. Chapter 3, verse 145.